0: Hey guys, my name is Vikram, and I'm your host for today's Alligator Zone podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Mr. Dave Alpert, CEO and co-founder of Geopogo. Geopogo is a 3D design software company, which helps architects and builders display their designs in 3D with virtual reality and augmented reality. Visit geopogo.com. That's G-E-O-P-O-G-O dot com. And now, on to the podcast. Hi, Mr. Albert. I would just like to start us off by thanking you so much for being here on this podcast.
1: Okay, thank you, Vikran.
0: So, in simple words, what problem are you working to solve
1: and how? Okay, it's hard for people to create images of 3D spaces, so it's hard for architects and their clients to communicate with each other about designs. Most people can't use any 3D software, and the software that is available costs too much even for many architects. We're architects. So, your
0: company is like 3D modeling? For those architects?
1: Yes. And we're focusing now on augmented reality because augmented reality for the first time gives you the opportunity to um, explore your designs in real space, whether it's an interior renovation of a warehouse or whether it's a new building on a street corner.
0: So, do you think this could like? improve the structure of buildings now that you can actually go through it while you're designing it?
1: It could very, very much improve the design of projects.
0: So what skills did you use to start this
1: company? Um, well, I have kind of like two kinds of skills that apply to the company. One, as an architect, I am very, very involved in design and communicating spatial ideas to other people. Um, That's always a challenge. And um, then on the business side, um, I'm very focused on leading teams, on inspiring and motivating people, because that that was always necessary in my work as an architect. We would assemble a team for each project, and um, the team had to work well together and work effectively. Those are the two things. But, I mean, one of the most important things when you're putting a team together is to look at all the gaps in your own expertise and make sure that you assemble a team that covers those gaps. So in my case, I'm not very technologically literate, which is funny for a tech CEO. (laughs) But um, I'm a little bit older than the typical tech entrepreneur. So I've assembled a team of young people who are very technically competent. In fact, they're extremely inventive. So that's one side of things is the, you know, the engineering, the coding, and so on. And another side of things is the actual artwork. Um, Even though, as an architect, I always was artistic in my work, I can't create the 3D objects that, like, an animator can create. And um, certainly not objects that move. And there are people who are extremely talented at that. So did you... So have you, like, always been
0: artistic, even from an early age?
1: Oh, that's a nice question. Um, I'd like to think I've always been artistic, but, you know, I'd like to say that it seems like everyone is artistic at a younger age. And it's kind of sad that people stop um, practicing their artwork as they grow up. One of the things that I'm hoping with Geopogo is that by making three designs easier for people to do, it will allow people to express their own creativity and ideas more easily in 3D. Okay, so you obviously
0: use art a lot, right? Yeah, I do. I have to ask, but are you good at drawing? Because, like, I like to draw sometimes, but when I do, it's so bad that it's, like, discouraging.
1: I see. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Um, I think I'm I'm really good at drawing. And I taught myself in a way, not everybody who's an architect is that good at drawing, although architects tend to be better at drawing. Um, I kind of taught myself to draw what I see. And interestingly enough, what you see is not in a flat plane. That's why when you see a picture of a painter doing his painting, he's got his arm out in front of him and his thumb up. That's because you see in a kind of a convex disc in front of you. And so if you just keep that in mind as you draw, you keep everything proportional, and you realize that in real space, there's very few pure shapes. There aren't really squares. They're all angled parallelograms and trapezoids and stuff like that, and that there aren't pure circles. They're all ovals and ellipses. Um, Then you start drawing what you're seeing rather than drawing what you've think that you should be seeing. I taught my wife how to draw, and she was amazed. She still talks about the day when she made those lines on the paper that made it look real to her, and she thought she could never do it. So
0: going back in time, how did you acquire these skills? Did you learn them at an
1: early age? Or maybe even college? Yeah, I don't think I was very good at drawing until I um, actually graduated from college. Because when I graduated from college, um, I was very fortunate. I won a fellowship to travel uh, and study by myself abroad. And I had a lot of time. And they say that in order to be an expert at something, you have to devote thousands of hours to it. So it's just a question of having the time to do that and the inspiration to do that because of all the amazing places that I traveled to.
0: Did you travel to like places like Paris, where art is very, art is very prominent?
1: Yes, I did. I traveled all through Europe, and then I traveled across the Soviet Union to Japan, and came home that way. So <laughs> I went around the world.
0: Oh, that sounds really cool.
1: It was. It changed my life.
0: So, what were your favorite subjects in your childhood? Um,
1: field trips. I liked getting outdoors. I mean, I was a pretty good student, so there wasn't anything that really put me off. I enjoyed math. I enjoyed science. I enjoyed writing and history and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I most enjoyed field trips. It's where you are in the most. Then you're not not learning abstractly. You're learning directly. Like to go to the Academy of Sciences, and you see the animals. You see the exhibits rather than just reading about them in a book.
0: Yeah, you see things that you might not learn.
1: Right, right, so to get back to what we're doing now, we're hoping that with three d technology, we'll give people those experiences that will um be very immersive and engaging, even when they can't actually go to the academy of sciences oh, it's they can like- they can experience the field trip virtually sorry, gone
0: yeah that 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 sounds really cool, so did you have any hobbies
1: when you were a kid? Yeah, I had a lot of hobbies um. My my one big hobby was going to Golden Gate Park every day. And we would hang out in the park. I went there with my friends. We had a tree, which was our clubhouse. It hung out over a lake. And we would go there every day and often at night. So being outdoors, that was a big hobby. But I also had a big train set that my dad made for me. But my favorite part of the train set wasn't the train, It was this wonderful kind of village and countryside that he made, complete with buildings and roads. And so I had my little cars and I had my little people. And I would just go wild with my imagination, making up stories, playing them out.
0: It seems like your whole life was kind of geared toward this job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So did you have any childhood heroes?
1: Um. It's funny to say, but um, I remember that my big brother was my hero. Mm -hmm. And once, when I was very little and I was asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, I just said, Peter, I want to be Peter. So, um, I don't know. I've always admired the people around me. Everybody has so many strengths and wonderful things about them. If Mm -hmm. I had a different brother, he probably would have been my hero too.
0: Can you recall any specific incidents or people, maybe your brother, uh, that resulted in you becoming what you, the entrepreneur you are now?
1: Um, okay, well, the first person I can think of is the mother of one of my best friends when I was in high school. I didn't have a strong plan for the future, and I didn't really even plan to go to university, even though I was a good student. Um, and this mother, a friend of mine, was a college professor, and she was very stern with me. And she said, you're going to go to university. And I said, well, you know, I don't think I'll get in. She said, no, you're going to apply tomorrow to UC Berkeley, and you're going to get in. So I did, and I was really surprised I got in. So that changed my life. I don't think my life would have followed exactly the same course if it hadn't. And then all through my career, um, typically the architects I worked for were my mentors. So they really influenced my work.
0: Did you meet... Did you meet any um, architectural, like the people that you read that you read about in your textbooks, the people, the people at the top of their profession?
1: Mhm. Well, did
0: you work? Did you work for any of them?
1: No, no. The people that you read about in the books, um, you very rarely meet. Actually, I worked for somebody like that once when I was traveling around the world. He was a very famous architect. He was the most famous architect in Hungary. And um, he was so arrogant, he felt like I should pay to work for him rather than him paying me. (laughs) Sometimes those people are the best ones. I I wanted to go back for a second about people who have really changed uh, your life. And um, I'd like to um, talk about uh, my teammate Michael. Yeah, Michael has really changed my life because Michael is making um, my dreams into a reality. And in fact, they're not just my dreams anymore, they're his dreams. So it's very, very important to be open to other people's ideas and direction, make it into something bigger than your own ideas.
0: So did you have any favorite books, TV shows, movies maybe?
1: Um. Well, I have to say my family was so poor we didn't have a TV, so I didn't get to watch very many TV shows. But um, my favorite books were always picture books because I have a kind of a reading disability. I read every word like I'm reading it out loud, and so I'm kind of slow. Um, and so that makes it less interesting even to me. But I loved picture books and I had many picture books. One of the things I would do every week as a kid is go to the library with my family um, and pick out books. I can still picture them in front of me now.
0: Can you recall any
1: specific books? Oh, There was a little house in the countryside, and it was a story about a house, and the house was sort of personified. It had a little face on it. And um, the little house was very happy, and then the city gradually grew up around it. And so this is kind of cool for me to see the different buildings and the different pictures as the city gets bigger and bigger, and then finally the little house is kind of unhappy because he's got all these kind of noisy dirty things happening around him and um, so then somebody comes and picks up the little house and moves the little house back out into the countryside and he's happy again that kind of seems like the movie up uh, Have you seen
0: it? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Have you seen, no, yeah, seen it, Michael? Yeah, so so there's this movie where um, this old man, he had a wife, but she died, and he's living in this house by himself. And then these developers come, and they're, like, building everything around him, building, they destroyed the whole neighborhood except for his house because he wouldn't sell. And eventually <laughs> he moves to the countryside for more like the mountains and wilderness.
1: Yeah, that does sound similar. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so oh, it's one continue. of the books I liked. Yeah. And, you so, know, the, the book kind of told its story in the pictures. It didn't even need to have any words. Oh, that's really good art.
0: You know, like mm-hmm. a picture can tell a thousand
1: words, right? Right. And a moving picture, like something that's animated, speaks
0: volumes. Those tell more.
1: Volumes. So
0: do you have any advice? for your younger self based on what you've learned now?
1: I guess there's a lot of things that come to my mind. One of them is uh, to be patient because um, all of us have big dreams and we want them to happen very fast. Um, But uh, it usually doesn't happen that way. And I guess one of the reasons why it doesn't happen that way is because there's other people involved in um, making your dreams into reality. So, like you know, so for instance, if you want to be an architect. You can't be an architect all on your own tomorrow. You have to invest time in studying architecture and working for other people, and then doing it and learning from your mistakes and getting better and better. Um, even though what you really want on the first day is to be the architect of your dreams tomorrow, you have to wait. Put your time in. So. Um, Continue. Oh, I was just going to say, um, at the same time, I think it's super important to um, give yourself the freedom to dream and to follow those dreams, and don't let other people discourage you. Even in my architecture classes, I can remember having two different professors, and one of them would be beating down on me and telling me I had a stupid idea, and the other one would be saying, no, 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 that's your idea, and... um here's, you know, here's how you can work on it to make it better, so. Like, kind of
0: like good cop, bad cop.
1: Well, yeah, except the, the good cop and the bad cop usually work together as a team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in but your that's view. That's funny, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, just wrapping up the podcast, final question. In your view, how do you think the average school kid should prepare for the future careers in
1: your industry? Oh, in my industry? Okay, well, I guess um, if my industry is now my current industry, um, which is um, 3D technology and software and development and creation, um, well, I can see that There is a place for people who are big-picture people um, who have vision and dreams, and there's also um, a necessary place for people who um, are very detail-oriented and have the, um, the focus to execute a project. So I think that people are inclined often towards one or the other of these directions and a lot of people will say that you need to cover your weaknesses so whatever you're weak in you need to learn how to do better at that but then there are other people who say that you should recognize your strengths and then build on those strengths but team up with people who have strengths where you have weaknesses so that's what I would say just if somebody wants to do this, find the part of it that you have strengths in and then focus on that. Okay, so I would
0: just like to thank you so much for being on this podcast again. It was an incredibly interesting podcast. I learned so much.
1: Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking with you.
0: Me too.